give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on, he's worthy. I think he's more worthy than that. Come on, you got more in your tank. Let's go. Come on. I'll tell you what. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. Fist bump. Pat on the back. And you can even kiss him on the cheek if it's appropriate. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold, and uh, my incredible wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church that we call The Refuge together. We do it as a team. Um, she, and, and she is an incredible, incre like, she's so gifted, and she's on sound today. And I'm going to ask you just to turn my mic down just a little bit. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, anytime I can work in, like, anyway, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there. Um, thank you so much for being here. Um, it, it's our, our greatest joy to, to lead this community that we call the Refuge together. And um, as we get started today, I've just got a few things to, to walk us through. And, um, and the first thing is, if you're visiting with us for the first time, thank you so much for giving us your time. One of the things that we always say here at the Refuge is that um, when you show up on Sunday, you're being the most generous that you could possibly be. And the reason for that is because you are sharing with us your most valuable commodity. You can always get more money, but you can never get more time. And so you are sharing with us your time today, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. There's a, there's a card on the, in the chair in front of you, or if you're um, and, and find a card, fill it out. If you give us your address, I will send you a card in the mail. If you give us your email, I will send you an email. Right, So um, we're going to communicate with you just to tell you thank you so much for visiting with us today. Um, also, um, if you like what you see or if you want to know more about the Refuge Church, immediately following the service, there's seven, something called Seven Minute Head Start. And it's through that door to the right. Uh, and uh, it's just it takes seven minutes of your time to tell you all you need to know about the Refuge Church and um, it's, it's, it's what we call our, our we used to call it our on-ramp um, into knowing about the refuge. Uh, but now we've condensed it. We've put it online so that you can, you can figure out how you can get plugged into the refuge church. And um, we just invite you to do that immediately following the service. You know, um, so I was, I was away last week. Uh, I, I had the privilege of of going to, um, to Alaska, and uh, I, I was there with, with other pastors, and um, it's just so amazing to be able to get away with other pastors and, um, and to be there with pastors from all across the country. There was, there was a guy from California, a couple guys from Illinois, and, um, and I don't know if many of you know this or not, but my family and I moved here from Illinois, and uh, there was a guy on our trip uh, that was talking about, about the corn in Illinois right now. He was like, man, the corn must be 10 feet tall. And um, some of you guys that are growing gardens with corn, you're like, dang, how do they do that? Um, it's all in the soil. It's all in the soil. That's all I'll say. Um, but, but he was talking about how, how healthy the corn is. And, and the reason they've had healthy corn is because they've had a really good summer. They've had some rain. And, uh, and, and it's just been a really good summer. 
I want you to know today that we've had a pretty darn good summer at the Refuge Church. You know what good summers produce? Good summers produce big harvests. The Bible says, and in fact, Jesus' words were um, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The workers to collect the harvest are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers, workers, to bring in a large harvest. Let me tell you, summer's been good at the refuge, and we anticipate a great harvest. Seven-minute head start is the way that you can get plugged in and you can help us, if I can use some Bible words, reap a bountiful harvest this fall. So that'll be available immediately following the service. And um, also, if you like what you see and you just want to partake in, in giving to the ministry of the Refuge Church, we invite you to give. There's three ways that you can do that. Um, they're all on the screen uh, to, my, to my left and to my right. Uh, you can text 77296 if you text WHM, uh, which is our, our code for Wyndham, um, and then text an amount. Then they'll send you a prompt, and you can fill out everything there. Or you can go to refugemain.church slash give. Uh, and uh, also, you can drop it by in the black box. There's, a, there's two black boxes out in the common area. Um, we don't pass a plate at the Refuge Church. And, uh, and, and one way that we, we can do that is because we have the black boxes. We also have 77296 as well as refugemain.church. But if you would do me a favor, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray and ask God to be with this service this morning. God, we love you so much. Father, it's, it's an absolute joy that we get to, to serve you today. Father, I pray that as we prepare to open your word, that you would prepare our hearts. For if we don't open our hearts, as we open your word, it's useless. Father, there are people that are in this room that have experienced some pain this week. And it's pain that's not based on anything other than lies from the enemy. So, Father, I pray today that you would soothe pain with your word that you would soothe it with the truth of your word. Father, that as we open our hearts to you, that it would be foremost open to your heart, to your truth. God, use me today. Thank you for the opportunity. To preach this precious gospel. God, I love you. 
I give you my heart. I ask you to use me in great ways today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him, thank you for coming today. I needed something good to look at, right? <laughs> tell him something, something. Uh, talk to him. Let him know that you see them and that you're so glad that they're here. I hope that you, um, that you feel welcome to, uh, to, to, commute, to talk back to me and to laugh and uh, just what we always say, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And so if you put in with some attention and some um, even some laughing, some crying, uh, it, then I promise you, you're going to get something out of out of today. Um, I just want to say a, a, a big thank you to John Weller, who did an amazing job last Sunday. If you were did John do a good job last week? Yeah, well, I guess I guess 10 of you thought he did. OK. Um, John, thank you. I don't know if John's here today, but um, he did such a great job uh, communicating last week. And um, I just love that I, I've got people that I can call on uh, when uh, I can get away. And, uh, you know, I read a statistic this last week that said that uh, Barna uh, reports that 38% of pastors have considered quitting in the last year. Um, 38%, that's pretty darn high. And um, first of all, I'm not a part of that 38%, just so you know. Uh, but the reason I'm not a part of that 38% is because you guys allow, uh, allow me to get away, you allow Tanya to get away, and uh, you allow us to get away as individuals, which, by the way, <coughs> since starting the Refuge Church, I've discovered that it's valuable to get away as an individual as much as it is a couple and a family. And so uh, I, I got, Tanya was able to get away a couple, uh, about a month ago. Uh, she went to Arizona because uh, she likes it hot. I went to Alaska because I like it cold. <laughs> All right. And uh, uh, that's actually not why. Uh, it was just the opportunities that presented ourselves to us. And uh, we were able to get away and get some rest. And, uh, and then next Sunday, we're getting away as a family. So we got away separately together. You know, was, that's great. But listen, one of the things that we didn't do growing up as I was raised a, a pastor's kid, one of the things that we didn't do very often was get away as, as a family to go on, on vacations. And, uh, and so next week, we're staying in, in Maine for this one, uh, but we're getting away. And, uh, and so my good friend and probably... Probably my, one of my best friends in the entire world uh, by the name of Matt Joya will be here, Pastor Matt Joya. Uh, he pastors the Pines Church in uh, Bangor. And uh, I said a couple weeks ago that uh, the last time Matt spoke, I had a family come to me after he spoke and say, hey, I think God's uh, calling us to Bangor. So as long as no one goes to, moves to Bangor after he speaks, he's still coming to speak next Sunday. And uh, that's what I can say that because he's a really good friend. And he was and, and to be honest, that was before we were really good friends. So um, he's just he's a dynamic communicator. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the name John Bevere and Me Messenger International, but uh, Matt worked for John Bevere. Um, he's John Bevere's written a thousand books and, um, and 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 he worked for John for the last 15 years before he started 
the Pines Church about two years ago. So he will be, you're not going to want to miss that uh, next week as I get another week of rest and, uh, and I just value that. So again, thank you guys for allowing us to do that. Um, and uh, John did, did such a good job last Sunday talking about, um, about the value of not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing who Jesus is. Like, and actually experiencing, the way I, I, I summarize it is he, he said it's, it's not just about the talk, it's also about the walk, right? And, and so it's about, about walking with him. And, and so it's not that we value truth over, over, um, over experience. We, we, we value them both. We need them both. And, and in fact, and we need to experience the truth of God's word in our lives. And so um, he, I, I, read a, I read a quote this week that made me think of his, his, uh, his message. And um, he said, uh, the quote was this, the son of God wasn't godly enough for the people that thought that they were representing God. Think about that for a second. The son of God wasn't godly enough for the people that thought they were representing God. The religious people are the ones that crucified Jesus. The ones that thought that they were representing God the Father. And, um, and, and so John did such a great job of reminding us it's, it's not just about the talk, but it's about the walk. And I just, I just want to honor him today. And thank you again, John, for doing such a great job. Two weeks ago, we began a series that we're calling the Dashboards for Life. The dashboards for life. I began by talking about the dashboard of death, and I introduced to you um, this this idea of of dashboards out of the out of the the Garden of Eden. And so God gave us the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. He gave us those two trees in the garden. And I, I said, you know, Adam and Eve didn't drive vehicles, so they didn't have dashboards, but they had trees. And that's what God used to communicate this truth, that oftentimes there are two indicators in our lives that show us if we're living right or if we're living wrong. And it's not about, about choosing, it's about making sure that the light that God wants on in our lives is the one that's illuminated. And so... <laughs> this morning, um, I want to talk to you. So, so our big idea la uh, two weeks ago was that God's desire for us is always to have true life. We said that the, the dashboard of death has two indicators, the indicator of good and the indicator of evil. That's why God gave Adam and Eve the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so the one that God wants to be illuminated is the indicator of good. And so Hopefully, you're living in with the indicator of good that is on. But I want you to know this morning that it's not about which indicator is illuminated in your life. It's about where you find your identity. It's about who you've placed your faith in. If I can say it, and, and, and who you've placed your faith in says everything about who you believe you are. Today, I'm going to talk to you just for the remaining part of our time about the dashboard of defeat, the dashboard of defeat. You can follow along with today's notes in the YouVersion Bible app on the screen. 
It tells you how to get there. Uh, if, you don't download, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, I believe every person should have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet or computer, somewhere that you can access it. It is such a great, such a great tool. The dashboard of defeat has two indicators, just like all of our dashboards. Indicator number one is lie. Indicator number two is truth. Indicator number one is lie. Indicator number two is truth. And that brings me to today's big idea. If I have one thing that I want you to get from today, it's this one truth. The lies of Satan will defeat you unless you are armed with the truth of God's word. I'll say it again. The lies of Satan will defeat you unless you are armed with the truth of God's word. Check this out. The lies will defeat you. The truth will defeat Satan. The lies will defeat you. The truth will defeat Satan. That's why this is called the dashboard of defeat. Because one way or the other, someone's got to lose, <laughs> right? Someone's going to lose. We want our, our desire for your life and God's desire for your life is that Satan loses, not you. But some of you have walked into this room this morning, walking in the lie that Satan has told you about who you think you are and not the truth of who God says you are. And so it is our desire that you walk in the truth of God's word because the truth of God's word contains everything it says that God sees you as. And if God created us, then who he says we are, guess what? It's who we are. And he's the one that gets to tell us who he wants us to be, who we're supposed to be. Because he's the one that created us. He's the one that tells us who we're supposed to be. He had a plan all along. We messed it up by choosing the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the tree of, the tree of death. We chose the tree of death. And because of it, we got death. And we've got this dashboard with these two indicators on it. Every single dashboard that we'll present in this series all have two indicators on them. Today's are lies and truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, read it with me. In the New Living Translation, it says this, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. The Bible says right here that Satan is an old dog with no new tricks. I've said that before. I think I heard my dad say it growing up. And if it wasn't my dad, it was some old Baptist preacher. He would say, you know, I heard it growing up over and over again. Because I remember saying it a few months ago. And I was like, where did that come from? I heard it growing up. Satan's an old dog with no new tricks. We know his schemes. God's word points out to us how he operates. And because we can know how he operates, we can know how to defeat him. 
I want you to hear me this morning. There are things that we have believed about ourselves that are based on lies, not on truth. There are things that we've believed about ourselves that are lies, not the truth of who God is, not the truth of who God says we are. Who God says we are is who we're supposed to be. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, God says you're righteous. God says you're holy. God says you're perfect. God says you're forgiven. God says you're redeemed. And because you're redeemed, you have another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. And maybe some of you came in this week having feeling like you failed. I want you to know God gives you permission to get back up again. He gives you permission because you are redeemed. You're forgiven. That sin that you're going to commit later today, notice I didn't say tomorrow, I said later today. That sin that you're going to commit later today, guess what? You're forgiven for it already. Before service, I was, I was, laying, I was, I was on my knees praying before service, and, and I, I felt like God spoke to me in that moment because I often pray, and I often pray and say, God, please forgive me for the way that I've failed you. I think God convicted me on my knees this morning. Adam, stop praying that. Now, I need to be reminded of the forgiveness that I have in him, but I'm already forgiven. I'm already righteous because I've placed my faith in Jesus, not in me, not in, not in Tanya, not in the kids, not in my job. My faith is placed in Jesus. And because it's placed in him, I am who he says I am. Not what Satan tries to convince me I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, read it with me. It says this. It says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. Some of you were once like the world, but... Now you're cleansed, you're made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord, Jesus, and by the Spirit of our God. It's time for us to stop believing the lies that Satan has convinced us that we are and start believing the truth about who God says we are. There are two stories in God's word that I wanna observe this morning that show us, number one, how to defeat Satan, and number two, how to be defeated by Satan. So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna show you what Jesus did to defeat Satan because when our identity is in him and our faith is placed in him, we can use the same tactics that Jesus used. We have permission to be just like Jesus. You have permission to be just like Jesus today. And so we're going to get our, our plan of attack from Matthew and, and, and from the, the temptation story of Jesus. And then we're going to look at 
what happens when and, and how we are defeated. So Matthew chapter three is where our story begins. It's the story of Jesus' baptism. I absolutely, this is becoming one of my favorite stories in scripture because in it, we find, we, we find our identity. We find who God says we are. He says we're a son or a daughter of, of him. And so Matthew chapter three, verse 16 through 17, read it with me. It says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settling on him. And the voice of heaven said this, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. At the baptism of Jesus, God the Father made sure that Jesus knew who he was and how he felt about him. God the Father made sure that Jesus knew who he was and how the Father felt about him. Can I just, just call a time out real quick and say, say to parents in the room, your kids need to know two things. That's it. Number one, who they are. And number two, how you feel about them. Your kids need to know who they are and who they are. It's not their last name. Who they are is who Jesus says they are. And, and we have to do our best to show our kids and to baptize them in their identity daily. To tell them that God says they're righteous, that God says they're holy, that God says they're redeemed, that God says they're forgiven. And you know what happens when they see that their identity is those things? They act that way. I'm learning that when I discover the truth of what God says about me, my behavior changes. Not based on the law, not based on the rules, but based on who I am. Do I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Our kids must know who they are and how we feel about them. It's exactly what God said to Jesus. This is my son who gives me great joy. Other translations said, in who I am pleased. And so immediately following the baptism story of Jesus, Jesus goes to the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days to be tempted by Satan, but it was 40 days to fast and to pray which, by the way, we've got 21 days of prayer coming up in September. I'm just going to put that plug right there. It's going to be for 21 days prayer, um, through prayer and, and fasting. We're going to seek God for a bountiful harvest, and it's going to be an incredible, incredible time. But for 40 days, Jesus was gone to the wilderness to be tempted by Satan and to fast and to pray. And I want to give you the, the three attempts on, on Jesus by Satan that, that, he, that he tempts Jesus. Three, three attacks. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. I just want to read this verse. During that time, the devil came to him. If you are 
the Son. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become like bread. The second attack on Jesus is found in Matthew 4, verse 6. And it says this, and he said, Satan said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say that he will order his angels to protect you and, you will, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Attempt number three, Satan gets a little more crafty and he says this, Next, the devil took him to the, to the peak. This is verse 8 and 9. To the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will just kneel down and worship me. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, I will give it all to you. All three attempts, do you know what they have in common? All three attempts attack Jesus' identity. The very identity that God spoke over him in the water of the Jordan, he says to him, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son and who gives me great joy. Satan says to him, if you are the son, if you are the son. But what about that third attack? How in the world is he attacking Jesus' identity with that? The, one of the biggest threats, I'm not saying it's the number one, but one of the biggest threats to our identity is how much we have. How much we have. Look what I've done. Look what I've gotten. Look at all the things I've accomplished. He says, I will give it all to you. I will give it all to you. All you have to do is worship me. The other thing that I notice about the attacks of Satan is that Satan knew God's word. And he took it and he twisted it. And that's why it's so important for us to know the truth of God's word. Not just his word, but the truth of God's word. Because we can make it say whatever we want. But when you know the truth of God's word, you know that it, that it is the very best thing for our lives. One of the greatest attacks on our identity is what we have, our wealth. Look, look at the world around us. We see people that have a lot of things, and how do we value them? By what they have. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be rich. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a lot of things. It's wrong for us to find our identity in those things that we have. So let me ask you, if Satan attacked Jesus three times, every single time about his identity, what do you think he's going to try to attack about you? He's going to try to get you to believe that you're somebody that you're not supposed to be. 
that God, that, that God didn't say that you are. Especially for the person that's already put their faith in Jesus. If you've already put your faith in Jesus, you are a son, you are a daughter. And when you are a, ch a child of God, you live as if you are a child of God. Not that you have your identity in anything else. Now you can, you can be other things and you can do those things well, but your first and foremost identity is a follower of Jesus. Notice how Jesus counterattacks. His every single one of the of the of the counterattacks to, to, to Satan. Jesus said the same thing, and I don't I don't even have to read all of the scripture. I can just point to you to three words. It is written. That's it. My, my, the translation I'm reading this morning says, the scriptures say. Just three words. The power is in just three words. It's written. The scriptures say. And if we can write those words on our heart, Psalm chapter 119 verse, uh, verse 11 says, I learned this, this verse as a child. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Your word I've hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. All you have to, just three words. It is written. The second story in scripture that we find where we, that, that we, that we discover the dashboard of defeat and we actually, it ends tragically it's the story that we looked at two uh two weeks ago in the garden of eden genesis chapter three eve is in the garden <clears throat> the serpent is there the serpent is satan and and he comes to her and and they have this interaction i'm going to read for you Verse one through five, it says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. The Lord God had made, one day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman said, replied. It's only the fruit from the tree of the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Do you know what Satan got kicked out of heaven for? He thought he was better than God. Lucifer was an angel in heaven prior to, prior to being thrown into the pits of hell. He thought that he was better than God. Why is, why is wealth and the things that we can accumulate, why is it a, a, a great attack on our identity? Because what happens is we look at what we've done. One of the greatest lies that Satan convinces us is that we don't need God. And the way he convinces us that we don't need God 
is by allowing us to get a bunch of stuff, by getting a lot of accomplishment, by getting a lot of success. Satan says to Eve, you will be, he knows that you will be like God. God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like him, knowing both good and evil. But look at what the Bible said in Genesis chapter 1, just two chapters prior. We got to go back to the beginning of the story, and we got to discover the truth about who Eve is. Jesus, uh, verse 26 of Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. To be like us. Wow. God had already made Eve in his image. She was already like God. But the lie that Satan convinced her of was if you eat it, you'll be like God. I want you to hear me loud and clear today. God has already given you everything you need to defeat the enemy. He's already given it to you. It's found in the truth of who he is and who you are. Keep reading. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. The image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now I have a very important question. Do you think, because what we just read didn't say that God told Eve that she was made in his image, but do you think that Eve knew that she was already made in the image of God? I do. You know why I do? <laughs> it's kind of funny, to be honest. Genesis chapter two, verse 25 says they were both naked and they felt no shame. Why would they not feel shame? Because they were made in the image of God. God has no shame. God has no shame when he looks at you. When you make a mistake, he never feels shame for our action. He never says, how in the world can my son do that? He only says, look at my son, in whom I am pleased. He never changes. He never feels shame. I look at, at, at the Old Testament and I see the children of Israel over and over and over again, choosing Baal, choosing other gods, 
putting other gods before God, breaking the first commandment, the very first commandment, they broke it over and over and over again. And never once did God say, why did I choose you, Israel? He always said, you are my chosen. He always spoke identity over them. When we understand that we can't mess this up, when we have Jesus as our savior, he is our Lord, we become a new person. And when we become a new person, it's not about rules. It's not about church attendance. It's not about reading the word every day. It's about being his son or his daughter. God has already given you everything that you need to defeat the enemy, to be armed with truth, not lies. A couple weeks ago, um, I've, I've kind of been open about this, but a couple weeks ago, I, I, uh, I, I switched counselors, therapists for a better word. Um, I think that every pastor especially needs to see a counselor, needs to see a therapist. And um, the thing that I love about my new counselor, Mark, is that he allows me to tell him my story. He listens to it. I, 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 a couple weeks ago, I started by my earliest child memory to uh, this last week. I love this last week. I got to tell him about how I, Tanya and I met. We started dating. As I tell Mark my story, you know what he does? He takes God's word. And he points out things that I say that aren't true, things that are lies that I've believed throughout my journey in following Jesus. And he points out the truth and he says, no, 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 Adam, that's not who you are. This is. The truth is that Jesus loved you so much that he died in your place so that he could take on whatever shame you're feeling right now, whatever guilt you're feeling right now, he took it on for you so that you can walk out of here liberated and free. It is our desire that you would walk out of here differently than you walked in. Stand on your feet, I wanna pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As you stand, I want you to hear me. only way we find who we are meant to be is when we discover 
the relationship with the Father that created us as we are. The only way we can come back to that relationship is through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes back to where they were supposed to be all along except through me. And once that indicator of truth eliminates in our life, I want you to know it never goes out. It never goes out. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But we can, we can start to believe the lie, but the, the illuminated indicator is truth. So let me ask you this morning, have you placed your faith in the truth? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you committed your life to follow him? If you haven't done that, would you? I, I'm not, I, I don't feel led to ask people to raise your hand this morning. I, I just want, want you to think about that. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment to help you receive that truth in your life. And then after I say that prayer, we say that prayer together. Would you do me a favor? Would you take out that card in front of you and fill it out, drop it in the black box so that I can send you a card and, telling, and, and, and help you get on the path to following Jesus? Would you do that for me? I think the reason I don't feel led to ask people to raise your hand this morning is because I feel like there are believers in this room people that would say I'm a follower of Jesus, that have believed lies that Satan tells you. They, I believe that there are followers of Jesus that are walking in shame, shame of a mistake that you made that doesn't define you. Believers in this room that are still trying to do everything right. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus today, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. The Father is pleased with you. And you are his son or his daughter. If you need to receive truth, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I've sinned. Come into my life by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for my sin. Come into my life and help me live in my identity that is you. 
if you're a believer in Jesus, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for loving me, for sending Jesus to die for me, and giving me an identity in you. Father, I promise I will do everything I can to live as you say I am and not in the lie that Satan has told me. Help me live for you this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. We're going to sing a song together, and then we'll be dismissed. Is God good? Come on. Come on. Tell him. Tell him.